Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben of the Lean Blog. Thanks for joining us here today on episode number seven of the Lean Blog Podcast. Apologize for the delay between the last one and this one, but I'm hoping to get back onto regular schedule. Um, over the next couple of weeks, we have some great podcasts coming up. Uh, first in a week uh, will be a discussion with Jim Hunsinger, the president uh, and founder of the Lean Accounting Summit. And a week after that, I'm going to release a podcast with David Mann, the author of the book, Creating Lean Culture, Tools to Sustain Lean Conversions. Uh, so hopefully you will uh, join us for those future podcasts. And as always, you can subscribe probably most easily through the Apple iTunes store. Uh, today, again, we have Norm Bodek from PCS Press. And as usual, when we talk with Norm, we're going to have a wide range of topics, including uh, Toyota, um, talking about their response to some uh, increases in quality problems and product defects, the impact on the product development cycle. We'll also talk about uh, leadership and continuous improvement subjects. Well, Norman, it's a pleasure to have you back with us again on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Today we're going to talk about um, more current events related to Toyota. I think regular visitors to the blog have seen articles I've linked to that uh, have talked about uh, an increase in product recalls that Toyota has had this year. There was um, also recently a very in-depth article in the Wall Street Journal about Toyota delaying some of their new models and, and basically putting some time back into their product development process in the name of designed in quality. So I think we'd all be really interested in, in your perspectives on that, Norman. Yeah, I hope I can add something to this. I'll tell you yeah, I'll tell you why on many levels. You know, Toyota is our model. Um, those of us in the lean community, those of us that have been studying and teaching the Toyota production system, including myself for the last 20, 25 years, I've published so many books on the subject and I've written five books on the subject. And when your model is being attacked, it, it's really unnerving. Um, very often people are looking for excuses not to do things. So if... Uh, <laughs> say, look, they're not perfect. Yes. Yeah, so Taylor's not doing well on something. Say, see, I told you so. We shouldn't rush to what we and copy Toyota. And so it's a little shocking, and maybe we can put a little bit into perspective. Um, sure. First of all, Toyota still makes really great competitive cars, highly innovative cars. Uh, I just bought a new one myself for my wife. Um, I want to go back a little bit, but 20 years ago, I published a book called 40 Million Ideas in 20 Years of Toyota. And it spoke about the Toyota production system, which was a unique transformation of what we were doing in America with American suggestion system. In America, the average company that had a suggestion system, according to the national suggestion system, was one implemented idea every seven years per employee. One. Hmm. Yeah. And, okay. and, and Kodak, which started the system in 1898, first idea was clean the windows. The idea of the suggestion system was to get people involved. And so at Toyota, going back to about 1970, and of course, Toyota, like many Japanese companies, um, 
a lifetime employment system. Which means these people in our company, they're here for at least the next 40 years. So we want everyone in this company to grow. We want everybody in this company to participate. We want, we want everybody to become problem solvers. We want everybody to come up with ideas. And Toyota was willing to invest in these people to help them grow, which would then serve the company to grow. In America, often we're very reluctant to invest in people. We do somewhat in training that we feel is necessary. But most companies are very, 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 you know, not so willing to invest in their people because that asset might walk out the door. You know, there's no real permanent alignment. We don't offer. On either direction. Yeah, we don't offer except in very rare occasions lifetime employment to people. I think lifetime employment was a brilliant concept. I think it even came from MacArthur. MacArthur helped Japan reorganize itself after World War II. And it's absolutely mm-hmm. brilliant to, you know, to have a group of people in your company that are going to stay with you. And as they learn and grow, that value stays with you in the company. So Toyota had a marvelous system, which we wrote about in this book called 40 Million Ideas, 20 Years of Toyota. They were getting, at times, I think they're up to about 70 ideas per employee per year, about 70, more than one per week. In fact, last year, yeah. Subaru got 108 ideas per employee. That's two ideas per week uh, per employee for the year. Right. It's a marvelous system. And I want to discuss this just a little bit. Um, I was in, oh, about three years ago, maybe four years ago now, three, four years ago, I was in Georgetown and visited the plant. I was very happy to see it. Then at the end of the plant, I met with the people in charge of the suggestion system. I met with the HR manager, and I even met with the man in charge of the uh, assembly area, the largest number of employees mm-hmm. working under him. We had a discussion for a couple of hours. We were talking about the suggestion system. And I realized that they made a major change. In fact, it's funny. I could see it intuitively. I could see it just by looking at the people working on the factory floor that there was a change of attitude going on. And I asked them about it. And they admitted, yes, they made a major change in the suggestion system. In fact, a couple of years ago, they probably got 50,000 ideas, and it dropped to 500. Hmm. Well, I tried to inquire what was happening, and I, in fact, I called and spoke to a manager up at uh, Cambridge, where they make the Lexus in Canada, and had a discussion about this, and one woman was telling me, well, you know, they had this system where anybody could submit any idea, no matter how small. And they would get $20 for that idea. Well, management finally looked at it and they said, you know, this is awfully silly that we give $20 for this, this little tiny idea, like moving a pencil, you know, two inches. Mm-hmm. In fact, she said, you know, that one man, um, one worker, uh, bought a new swimming pool, $30,000 swimming pool from his idea. <laughs> When you really learn how to play the game and play it well and you get $20 an idea, it's possible to do that. Yeah. Well, the irony, you know, the old story about throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And here's Toyota with a marvelous system, absolutely marvelous. And to me, 
the real essence of what they call respect for people or respect for humanity. Respect, the greatest respect you could give somebody is asking them and listening to their ideas. Sure. What they could have done, which was so simple, really so simple, all they had to do with the system is say to the workers, look, you get $20 an idea as long as it's worth $20. But mm-hmm. you don't stop it. You don't take away from people something that empowers them, something that gives them ownership right. in the company, so- something that gives them excitement to get up Monday morning and go to work. Yeah, but how, how much do you think of the difference is due to, I mean, I, I, I would suppose with the Georgetown plant, they don't have lifetime employment? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was taking some notes here about what you were saying, and I meant to write down lifetime employment, and with the slip of the pen or getting thoughts confused, I wrote lifetime improvement, and that kind of struck me that, I mean, I, I could see how those ideas would go together. You know, I think of my career, I've worked for, a number of different companies. My dad has worked for General Motors for 37. You know, he, he's of that, you know, it wasn't strictly called lifetime employment, but that's what he's gone through. And you know, I guess I think of, you know, my learning, I'm, I'm doing it for the sake of my career and doing it for me. That's different than strictly thinking, you know, I'm, I'm doing that for my current employer. You know, they're, they're going to benefit from what I learn individually because I can do a better job, but uh, I, I don't necessarily think, well, I'm going to go learn this because it's good for the employer. How, how, yeah, I, I mean, that, that's, that's, that's true. Yeah, that, that's what you're saying is true, and, and it's really sad. It's sad because your attitude should be that you want to improve the company because you're a member of the company. And I like your idea mm-hmm. of lifetime improvement, not just lifetime. The, the other thing is, even mm-hmm. though Toyota does not have lifetime um a lifetime um, system in Georgetown, to my knowledge, they've never laid off a worker. So, yeah. in essence, uh, they, they, people have lifetime employment there. Yeah, I mean, they have temp workers, and, and they're 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 treated, you know, a little differently. Well, no, not too much, not really. They do have yeah. temporary people come in, and that's sort of a starting point. And most of the people that uh, they hire is. Full-time employees come from the temporary staff. So temporary staff is a slight buffer, but I don't think it's it's used or abused. I didn't see this in Japan. I did see it in some companies that were seasonal. You know, like I visited the tuna fish plant once, or there might be seasonal plants where they need a lot of people, you know, certain months of the year. They don't need them other months of the year. You don't want to have them as lifetime employees. So I think yes, Toyota does have uh, have um, temporary workers, but it's very small in percentage, and I don't think it's abused or misused in any yeah. way. Do, do you do you think they get a, a similar level of commitment as far as suggestions and ideas that that come in from oh, yes, temporary workers? Oh yes, I think you get a so. Sense of that? Mark, mm-hmm. if this is done right, you know, if it's done right, and the way I teach it, of course, I hope it's right, is that. The basis of this system, which I call quick and easy Kaizen, is focusing on what's good for the worker. And so I teach, I teach people and I ask them to focus on how to make your work easier. How do you make your work more interesting? How do you build your skills and capabilities? And how do you improve the work environment around you? That's your focal point. The result will be better quality, lower cost, 
better safety, a better, you know, better customer service, better productivity, et cetera. That's a result sure. as you work improving on yourself, you becoming more efficient. Um, and it works. You know, I've recently been working with companies and they've gone from this typical suggestion system of one out of every seven years and they're up to two per month. I worked with one company now. They got less than a thousand ideas for the year two years ago, and now they're getting twenty thousand ideas this year. And the ideas, yes, they're very small, but it gives everybody an opportunity to look. Let's Mm -hmm. backtrack a little bit to your original concept, which is on product development. I doubt a tour is falling back on product development, except that a couple of things, a couple of kinds of pressures might be pushing Toyota. One, of course, is the recall. They want to make sure that what they deliver to the market is going to be lasting. This is very difficult, sure. you know, and especially since Toyota works with, what, three to 500 supplier, each supplier being integrated but fully independent in many ways. So there's a tremendous amount of testing that is required to make sure these products will not fail into the future. Mm-hmm. Um I also want to mention something. I just read yesterday's paper about Motorola and their process of innovation in trying to be world leaders in cellular phones and how successful the Razor's been uh, against Mm -hmm. the Nokia telephone. And Motorola has 25,000 engineers involved with innovation. Now, not every engineer comes up with a a new Razor telephone, but they invest in 25,000 people trying to continually improve the process, improve the product, improve the software, improve the communication, improve the whole the whole process of bringing out a product. Isn't it so much more wonderful to view everyone in your company as capable of being innovative? Even if you're on a line, oh, you know sure. I mean? doing something mm-hmm. in a repetitive fashion, you know your job better than anyone else. And so since you know your job anyone else, the challenge is, how can I ask you to be innovative on what you're doing? How can you make your work, you know what I mean, a little bit more efficient? Instead of having to be controlled by management, this is what we do in America. We have a system trying to control workers. Yeah, or I think a lot of time management has abdicated that control. You know, there's no guidance, there's no standard work. So in in the absence of that, I think a lot of times people, you know, come up with their own way, and then that gets in the way of trying to develop standard work, or even if it's, you know, you're going to go in and have it be employee-driven, I think a lot of times people say, well, you know, management hasn't been managing, so we've been getting by, and, you know, yeah, yeah, I'm okay well, with that. Yeah, true. I think the biggest fault that we do have, especially today, is that management is not trained extensively as they should be trained. And this goes back, once again, to the whole investment of these corporations and people. The thing I like about Toyota is they have two pillars. One pillar we call lean or just in time, and the other pillar is respect for people. Respect for the essence or the foundation of respect for people is the development of people. And as you said, which is a very nice term, is lifetime improvement. So Toyota tries to develop a method where people are working, improving for a lifetime. I mean, I, I look at it personally. Um, you know, the, the only job security I have being, you know, what, what Drucker would have called a knowledge worker, um, you know, is to continually learn and continually keep ahead and, and improve myself um, so that, 
you know, I'm providing value to, to my employer. Um, and if, if things go bad with the employer and, and I have to go somewhere else, then I'm, you know, someone told me once, it's better to be employable, uh, than employed, you know, that you've got to keep learning. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a wonderful concept, Mark, because, you know, in this highly competitive world that we live in, if I'm working every day to grow, if I'm working every day to improve, do you know what I mean? I'm every day mm-hmm. increasing the odds for the for the success for the comfort of my life. If I stand there and I don't I don't grow and then you know technology just whizzes me by mm-hmm. and look what happens today, you know, today because we haven't invested in people growing, we're sending the work to China. We're sending it there initially because we say it's cheaper labor rates. And I think that's ironical. I really do. When I see companies, you know, we've been teaching value-added versus non-value-adding ratio. And when I go to mm-hmm. companies and see that 90, 95% of the time they're not adding value and they're going to China to save money on, on labor. And labor maybe is 15% of their product. And it's silly. They don't understand. Look at Toyota. They come here to build cars. Mm-hmm. When I was in Georgetown, just a month ago, they told me that 75% of that car is now made in North America. So they're coming here to make cars with American laborers, right? Paying them very adequately, of course. Sure. Yeah, I mean, they wouldn't have gotten 115,000 people to apply for 2,000 jobs <laughs> in apply. Texas yeah. if they weren't paying, paying people, taking care of them correctly. Mm-hmm. So... What do we do about Toyota and their product quality? Now, I wanted to ask, you know, looking at, I mean, you know, talking about respect for people, um, there was a quote here. I'm I'm looking at the article from the Wall Street Journal about, you know, the fast pace of new model launches and the pressure to keep launches on schedule. Um, It says here, has given rise to what another senior engineer calls bonehead mistakes. So, you know, two things that jump out there, you know, I wonder, for one, if there's such a strict Timeline, does that, um, does that not allow people to do quality work? Does that, um, well, is that less Mark, respectful it, than, than it should be? If or? they're doing it correctly the way they preach, um, people work very, very hard at children, very long hours is true. Mm-hmm. But their, their process is not to overload people. They don't put their engineers in a room and try to schedule them for 150% of the time. No, they, 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 they cut back. They want to make sure that people are doing things that they're capable of doing. They try to eliminate the waste, the non-valuating time. We're not looking at, you know, we're not looking at speeding people up. It's funny, it reminds right. me of the old saying by General Motors is, I want people to work smarter, not harder. That, that also goes back to the 60s, even though the 70s and early 80s, the American unions would say, we want people to work smarter and, and not harder, but they would never give them the tools to work smarter. <laughs> sure. You know, they would, they would look at the worker's job and they wanted to give them job security, and they didn't care what the person did if they did the same thing over and over again. You know, it reminds me of the story told in my book, Kaikaku, about a man at General Motors who was uh, spent 43 years putting tires on a hook. 43 years putting tires on yeah. a hook. Oh. And he only collected two retirement checks. 
Yeah, he died. The excitement of life left him. And so much of American manufacturing is that way. It's this boring, repetitive work Mm -hmm. that we give people. And people are willing to do it because they have to make a living. And normally General Motors paid very, very well compared to other industries. What's going to happen now with this major change going on in American automotive is, is, is something to see. You know, Adelphi was trying to cut people, what, down to $15 an hour. Mm. When workers were making, what, over $30 an hour at General Motors. Right, right. The reason I like the theme of respect for people is because, um, to me, it, it makes a major shift, a major shift in the role of management and the role of workers. Instead of workers standing there waiting for managers to do something for them, waiting for managers right. to improve their quality of work life, as an example. We now put the burden on people, and we say to people, we're empowering you to improve the work environment around you. Well, once again, I'd like to thank Norm Bodek for being here on the podcast today and sharing his uh, experiences and insights with us. As always, if you have feedback about the podcast for myself or for my guests, uh, please visit leanblog.org or leanpodcast.org, and you can find different ways of sending your feedback. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.